When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, heads up, Rockstar Investors. The Epic Intensive, it's on the calendar. This is the Lead Machine Workshop. It's scheduled for January 24th through the 26th. We're making it happen in Las Vegas, Nevada. And at this event, you're gonna get the secrets to building your lead machine and your passive income streams. It's official. January 24th through the 26th. And at this invite-only live workshop, you'll be able to get your own custom lead machine to work for you around the clock in your market. You can get help in real time. You can get feedback from others and and even get that damn lead machine finished. Heck, you may even make some new like-minded friends. We all know in this world of entrepreneurship, particularly real estate entrepreneurship, we can never have too many like-minded associates that we can interact with. In fact, here's just a quick sample of what you can expect at this invite-only live workshop. It's going to give you the building blocks to build a lead machine that's comfortable and efficient for you to use. It's going to give you the kick in the butt you need to start generating consistent motivated seller leads and there's a built-in deadline for getting your lead machine up and running and then you'll save a ton of time and money working by trial and error you can finally stop worrying about how to create consistent quality leads especially if you're new and you're going to get so much more so go to epicintensive.com for all the details you can reserve your seat there in fact i'm so confident that this will be the event that takes you and your business to that next level i'm not going to ask you to pay until after the event that's right no risk to you. All the risk, it's on me. So if you don't feel that the Lead Machine Workshop was worth at least 10 times the price of admission, just let me know and you will not be billed. You've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. That's the promise. 10 times ROI is guaranteed. That's the promise. So don't miss this invite-only live workshop where you'll finally get your lead machine finished and start using it to flip contracts for cash and hold properties for cash flow. Go to epicintensive.com and I'll see you in Vegas. From coast to coast, epic investors are doing the most. It's time for another epic field report. All right, so today I'm on the phone with REIA's client, Ryan Miersma, and I wanted to talk to him about his post inside of Follow Through Friday real quickly. Ryan, how are you? Very good, Matt. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, What market are you in again? Remind me real quick. Uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Kalamazoo. There's really a place called Kalamazoo. There is. Everybody's heard of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We have a Rancho Cucamonga here in Southern California, and I get kind of the same thing there. But uh, anyway, congratulations. I was going to read uh, what you had posted for Follow Through Friday inside of the private Facebook group that we have for the Epic community. Let's see. Contractor started rehab on a two-unit fix and hold that you closed last week, closing on a four-unit today. Sweet. So you've been busy. When did you join the REIA's program? Uh, beginning of August. We attended the summit there in, in LA. Got it. And we're recording this here in November, August, September, October. So just a few months. Okay, so good. And uh, we've got two deals here. So let's kind of break them up. Let me, they're both going to be buy and holds? Yes. Yeah, both of them are buy and holds. One of them's ready to go. The other one needs some work. Perfect. Okay, so the two unit fix and hold. Fix and hold. Okay, I get it. Not like It's not fix and flip. It's fix and hold. <laughs> the two unit fix and hold. Um, how did you find that deal? That was through, they were both through direct mail. Um, Both worth the direct mail, okay. Yep. 
through the uh, com- campaign that you guys helped me with. Um, well, good. So you have to fix one up and w- the other one is pretty much ready to go. And your planned exit strategy here is to hold them. Have you calculated your ROI on these, your cash on cash return? Yeah, they should be both over 20%. Over 20%. Both very, very healthy. Very good. Those are healthy. Sweet. So I guess these two deals and, and so new to the, uh, to the program, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from these two transactions? Biggest lesson I've learned is that uh, um, you got to get out there and you've got to be proactive and, and you've got to uh, meet with sellers and, and make a lot of offers. Um, and the deals are out there. They're definitely out there. So how are you going to celebrate? That's a great question. Probably take my family out to a nice dinner. <laughs> That's fantastic. What's the family's dinner of choice? It's a steakhouse downtown Kalamazoo, Webster's Prime. Nice. Everyone says steakhouse. <laughs> I like it. Bunch of meat eaters in the RAs program. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so thanks again, Ryan, Sharon, this quick call with us. Um, keep doing what you're doing and let us know if you need any help. We'll do it again. Thanks, Matt. All right, take care, Ryan. This is Terrio Media. Yo. Yeah, yeah, we got the cash flow. You didn't know, homeboy, we got the cash flow. Uh, yeah. What's up? Hello. And welcome to the Epic Real Estate Investing Show, where we meet here each and every week, now six days a week, to help everyday people escape the rat race using real estate. So thank you for listening to the show. Stay connected with us here by hitting the subscribe button. Stay connected with us on Instagram at Epic Real Estate. And you can go to YouTube and connect with us there as well on EpicREI.TV, where the video versions of the podcast are uploaded every week as well. So I got a great show for you today. I got a great guest. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation. And he was uh, born and raised in Connecticut, and he spent his early 20s working for the family home inspection company while living his passion, competing in rugby, both here in the States and abroad. This is also when he began his real estate investment career, investing in his first property when he was just 25 years old. He's closed more than 1,000 transactions since. And over the years, he's become a best-selling author, fitness enthusiast, gym owner, He's just an overall multi-talented entrepreneur. He's an industry leader in personal development coaching, marketing, business development, speaking and influencing, and a master of sales and leadership. And he's known across the industry as the quiet guru. And he's just the guy who speaks with his actions and documented results, not with long web copy, fancy marketing tricks, and copycat tactics, none of that mess. So please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Patrick Precourt. Pat, welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Thank you very much, sir. Excited to be here. Been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Yeah, we've known each other for a while and, and we've talked a little bit here and there casually, but uh, never really got to talk like this. So I've been looking forward to it very much as well. Um, I guess, you know, tell me a little bit about what you're doing right now. What does your business look like today? Where's your focus? So my focus is two side. Um, you know, for those who, who don't know anything about me, Matt, and I got involved in, in creative real estate uh, back in the end of the 90s, right? Um, mm-hmm. Following a guy named e, uh, A.D. Kessler, is probably one of the forefathers in all of creative real estate, produced this thing called Creative Real Estate Magazine. And that's, uh, that, that's how I got introduced to it. And, you know, way back then, um, this is, again, late 90s, and we did our first short sale back then, right? Mm-hmm. It was not by design. I didn't know what short sale meant, right? It's just one. <laughs> it's a closing that ended up that way, right? Right. Right. Um, so 
that's just part of who I am. It's in my blood. And through the years we got, uh, as we evolved to the investment side, we got a lot more into the educational side. And to the educational side, um, I got into the self-development side. And, and, mm. and the segue there came from the idea that no matter how great our content and our teaching was in, in, in providing what we wanted to for students, there's still um, so many students that did not thrive with what they're being given. So it, it, it occurred to me that there's more to the puzzle. And, and I, I kind of deviated a little into understanding human psychology and behavior and decision-making, um, what drives us, what doesn't, how fear influences what we do and what we do, don't do the environments that we surround ourselves in, people environments, uh, physical environments, emotional environments, how all of those come together um, to shape the lives out that, that we uh, enjoy or don't enjoy on a daily basis, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of what got me up to where I'm at now. So still heavily involved in real estate investment on a bunch of different levels. You know, get a little more creative around it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like uh, competing much with, well, with anyone. So we, we find spaces that, that nobody can compete with us in. You know, one, one little niche we play, I, I call high-risk, high-reward properties. And these are properties that most investors would run from. They have known environmental contamination, oil spills on the property, uh, lead and asbestos and all that kind of stuff. So that's one piece. Then another piece, ones that are tied up in really nasty lawsuits where you have title companies suing neighbors and counter lawsuits from the other title company and all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of our forte because like like all real estate investment, you know, it's just a function of solving a problem, right? It's just a puzzle right. we'll put together. We just take on slightly different Problems, problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that nobody else seems to want to play with. So it's like cool. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great. I, I love that positioning as a real estate investor. And I really hold that near and dear to my heart of just being a problem solver. You know, uh, I operate from the place that uh, sellers will exchange equity for peace of mind, and so we just bring peace of mind to people, and we get paid handsomely for it. So Absolutely. it's a fair trade. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and the bigger the problem, typically the the bigger the reward. So we got to be good problem solvers. You know, we met in uh, a mastermind group, Collective Genius. It's the premier mastermind for real estate investors. The best of the best join that uh, that group. And when they are allowed in, I really like the, the 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 quality control for that group. And and that's where we met. And there was a it was about a month ago, I think. There was a a post by one of our friends, Mr. Justin Colby, on on Facebook, and it, it uh, sparked a very long thread and a lot of conversation going back and forth. And that was about the shifting market. It was about interest rates. It was about uh, what's happening and what he was noticing. And I wanted, and you and I, we, we, we chimed in there because I just couldn't resist. And I think you and I, maybe there's a couple others, but we were like the ones that were really had a, a positive outlook on it. And we saw the opportunity of what's coming. And, and you were very eloquent in the way that you explained it. And for the life of me, I cannot find that post. But I was hoping, <laughs> hopefully we can recreate it here. But yeah, we're here in a 10-year cycle right now, which is typically a seven to eight-year cycle. So we're kind of overdue for a correction, um, whether that's going to be big or small. We, we, you know, None of us have the crystal ball. But um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for that based on, on the market that we're coming out of. And uh, you being the leader or co-leader of Collective Genius, you really got your your finger on the pulse of real estate investors, the best real estate investors across the country. And so maybe you can just kind of talk about what's the conversation like going on inside of there about the market and what do you see are different ways that people can take advantage of it? Yeah, absolutely. And now this is a big conversation, right? Right. So I'll take a stab from a few different angles and we'll just 
kind of let this roll out, right? And, and I'll, I'll start by saying, you know, I'm not coming from a, an economist viewpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very kind of um, almost stoic in, in just looking at facts and just relying on facts to make decisions and leaving emotion out of it. Because it's really easy to let emotions roll into this conversation, particularly for those of us that who are around, you know, during the six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a decent business and, and many people got wiped out, destroyed. And there's, right. an, there's an emotional scar there that's going to be there for a long, long time, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to touch that button and just boom, everything explodes inside our heads, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pushing all that aside. And I, ju- I just want to speak specifically to facts and numbers for this conversation, okay? Right. And then we can let everybody decide on their own where, where this plays out, right? So there is no doubt conversation around the economy slowing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yet, there's no facts that support that it should. So let me just talk about some big drivers. And you go back to, um, you know, that this really started in, in five and six and when we um, exploited certain loan products, right? We created an artificial demand for property, then artificially drove up the value of property, right? And at some point that thing's got to stop and it did. It, it stopped hard and the, the depth of the pain that we felt went way beyond real estate transactions because of these, these crazy financial instruments that Wall Street had created, credit default swaps and the way they packaged up and sold troughs of loans that were you know, re-regulated or, or re-qualified as, as really first-rate investments, but they really weren't. And now innocent people investing out of pension funds were getting involved and getting harmed, right? So the ripple effect was far greater than it could ever be right now because a lot of those products were just, boom, ditch, put away, right? right? Mm-hmm. With that said, though, there are some things that um, played a big role. Let's start with overinflated prices, right? And in most markets today, um, we're just getting back, back to our peaks, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So that, although it's climbed back up, it's not, you know, if you take inflation into consideration, um, they're still worth a lot less than they were 10 years ago, right? If you, if you add inflation influence, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have this overinflated bubble thing going on. And, and I'm talking in general terms. I'm not talking in micro um, environments, which we, you know, there's certain pockets around the country that do different things that stay outside of this conversation, mm-hmm. right? Um, just, so that's, just that's, to, also, just to cut in there real quick, we've, our prices have increased without all the funny financial instruments without the artificial creation of demand yep right and that that's an important and if if anybody's not clear on what i mean by that that's when um when we decide that the percentage of home ownership isn't high enough and it should be higher and then we realize that well there's not enough people that qualify for current loan products so um, instead of just you know, waiting for more people to qualify for the loan, we lower the bar for qualification, keep lowering it until we meet a certain quota that we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, when we have loan products being sold to people who are absolutely unqualified to support the loan, needless to say, it cannot survive, right? But th- that, that part aside, that's where the artificial creation of demand came from. These people would not have been buyers, would not have been looking for houses, nor would they have been paying as much as they would. Because when you work hard for your money, you're a little more careful how you spend it. There's a psychology that goes along with that. Yep. You didn't earn it, man. Tell me just here. Here, Matt, here's a, here, here's a boatload of money, right? Go mm-hmm. spend it as you will. You're like, ah, home ownership. 
and everybody's saying, good for you, Matt, you own a house, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not, we're not experiencing any of that right now, right? For all intents and purposes. Yeah. So that part doesn't exist, which is super cool. Then we move over to, let's say the, so the, the economics 101 supply and demand curve, right? In most markets, right? Nationwide. And certainly as a median or a mean throughout our country, we are undersupplied with houses. Our total months of inventory are extremely low. They're typically under three and a half months of inventory in most markets, some as low as one and a half months of inventory. And to put perspective to that, uh, a healthy market, four and a half to five and a half months of inventory. And if somebody's not clear on what I mean by months of inventory, what that number re represents, if let, let's use a grocery store as, as our, you know, as our example, mm -hmm. stocked all the shelves in a grocery store and then I stopped stocking them at the rate which people are buying the merchandise, the groceries, how many months will it take to empty the shelves? And that's how they calculate months of inventory, right? right? Well, healthy is four and a half to five and a half months because that keeps a balance between supply and demand, seller and buyer market. Once a buyer's market, right? Sellers get beat up. Once it's a seller's market, prices get artificially driven up, right? Mm -hmm. So the having the right kind of supply where buyers have options and sellers have options, it brings authentic, genuine negotiation to the table and true fair market value it, it comes out the other end, right? Mm -hmm. And we're in most markets, we're still underneath that, right? When you go back in like 2007 or eight, I mean, we're seeing seven to 12 months of inventory at that point and skyrocketed, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where prices start uh, capping off and coming down. And then of course that has a ripple effect into the value of your home because prices are coming down and mm -hmm. it starts that thing tumbling down really quick. So point here is that our months of inventory still relatively low. And what that means is that there's still a strong demand for property. It's not a reckless demand because people work hard for their money. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you say, well, Pat, what's a smart play going forward? in terms of where I will invest in, in, in single family residential housing. If you take your market, right, and divide it into three tiers, uh, low, medium, high, low being your typical entry level, first time buyer's house, mm -hmm. being that move up house or family is expanding, you know, maybe they have two solid incomes, right, that move up house. And the third one is the executive home, right? Mm -hmm. This is the, the first two typically are bought because you need to. The third one is bought because you want to. And when the economy starts to, you know, plateau out or there's a little consumer confidence challenge, the, the house that you want to buy typically get forgotten about first. First, right? Yeah. We'll stick to our needs and let go of our wants. Does, does that make sense? 100%. So that's kind of the second point here is that our demand for property is still very strong. And there's no indication that has not dropped off at all. Mm -hmm. Another interesting fact, right, is unemployment. If you go back, again, I'm, I'm, I should have wrote some of these numbers down, but if you go back to, say, 2009 into 10, we're north of 9% into 10% unemployment, right? Mm -hmm. And, of course, consumer confidence then is in the gutter. During that time, dude, of, of that, that period which you think we should be, you know, everything should come to a screeching halt, we still sold over 4 million homes a year. Right. And to put that in perspective, right, if you go to say maybe 2014, we sold a little over 4 million homes a year. And everybody thought in 2014, we we're doing great. The economy's starting to really be robust. The mm -hmm. numbers were not that much different. I'm going to get to one here, though, that to me is fundamentally this is the one that I think people were wigging out on. We saw uh, very recently 
uh, stock market adjust to it, right? Interest rates. Everybody said, well, when interest rates keep going up and hit this ceiling, we're done. Real estate's gonna, gonna, it's completely over. Where it stands right now, okay, the cap, the top of interest rates as forecast at least through the end of 2019, and they just, they won't forecast further than that, right? We're supposed to top out at about 5.5%, somewhere in that area, okay? Mm -hmm. Put in perspective, dude, 2006, in one of the years that we sold um, some of the most house homes per year ever, almost 7 million homes, mm -hmm. we were at almost 7% interest rates, yep. six and a half, six and three quarter. Yep. And we still sold way more houses than we've ever sold since then. Mm -hmm. right? And we're what, at four, seven now or four, eight. So we're not far from where we're going to be. Mm -hmm. So the influence of it is almost been fully appreciated. There's not much more influence than interest rates are going to have on it. Now, I, I saw somebody write a recent article about home affordability, which is another discussion, right? Mm -hmm. It's generally understood right now that our, afford our affordability index is, is not as good as it could be. And that's, of course, a relationship between median income, interest rates, and the median household price, what it's selling for. So that ultimately determines you know, your, 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 your mortgage, your monthly mortgage payment and the ratio it, it is of your income, right? So that's how they determine affordability, right? Yep. And that right now is, is we would like it to be lower so more houses were affordable. We don't have as many houses that are affordable that we'd like to have. And it's been out of whack like that for a long, long time, right? Mm -hmm. This is what I see happening. And this is the cool part about this. And then as an investor, um, we have to appreciate this. We are not speculators, right? We're not going in this for 24-month plays. And I'm, I'm, I'm not disregarding our buy and hold properties, but those are different. We don't look at, we're less concerned about what it's worth in the moment. And it's more concerned about its cash flow, its ability to generate money on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. So that's more rent roll, which has an inverse relationship to this. So as other things go down, it goes up anyway. So we're, we're cool there, right? But we're not speculators. We buy, fix up, sell. We sell our contracts or whatever it is, but it's all short term, right? So we're less concerned about the overall price adjustment in the house and more concerned with you know, the delta between what we buy it for and what we sell it for. And house prices don't adjust that much in a two, three, four, five, six week period. Um, double, two month period in the time that we own properties, right? So although I do believe house prices will come down a little, Right. Mm -hmm. I see an ultimate upside to it in that it'll make houses more affordable. We already said the interest rates are almost tapped out. Assuming our, our incomes don't go down, which I don't see any reason why they would, as the house prices come down, it brings in more buyers into the market, particularly mm -hmm. in that first time buyer range. Does, does that make sense? 100%. Yep. So I'm, you know, in the day, like I said, I'm not, you know, I would never claim to be some. You know, stud economist that, that knows all about this on a great big macro level. All I can do is look at the, the fundamental numbers that drive our business, right? And drive consumer. Mm -hmm. And I do know that when there's a demand, houses will be bought and sold, provided there's money. And that's the, the last part here. One thing we lost in 2007 was financing. It just crashed, right? They were done putting out loans because everybody went into trouble. That is just, that's as abundant now as it ever has been, yet we don't have the worst of the worst loan products available. There's right. some that are getting a little sketchy, no doubt, right? Mm -hmm. As they're, they're getting they're some stuff again, yeah. You know, but there's still tons of money available. 
housing prices are going to come down, become more affordable. The demand has not moved at all. Unemployment is at a, is, is at a record low as far as the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years probably, right? I challenge somebody to come up with facts, not, not hypotheses or forecasts, but facts that support the market's going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. My perspective on it also is from the real estate, we've been talking a lot about the retail side of things. That's the context of, of a lot of what you were just sharing. Yeah. Uh, when I'm looking at the, the real estate investor side, and I can really relate to this because I came into real estate as an agent, probably 2002-ish, 2003-ish. And I did that for four years. And I learned in a very competitive, tough environment in the sense that I had to prepare my buyers that if something comes on the market, I'm going to call you. I need you to drop everything from work. I need you to meet me right in the front doorstep. We're going to write this offer right on the hood of my car. And we're going to try and force our way in and get this thing signed. Like that was a very tough way to learn to be a real estate agent and make a living. A way to buy a house. Yeah, totally. Right. So I remember what that was like. And I think right now with, you know, there's a lot of real estate's hot again. It's got a, a good feel about it. There's a lot of newer real estate investors in the market. And I see a lot of similarities there that people got to run in and get it. And they got to be first there. They got to act fast. They got to come with their highest and best, like right off the bat. And, you know, that's a tough way for a real estate investor to continue to buy low and be able to sell for a higher price and sell for their profit. And so I see what I always like to position it in when um, I'm negotiating with the seller is that, hey, I'm going to get you whatever the market is going to allow me to give you. If I know what I want, you know what you want. We're, I'm going to shoot for us both to get in it, get it. And whatever gets in the way, it's going to be the market's fault. It's you and me, baby. We're, we're taking on the market. So let's go out and get them. Right. So that's always my perspective. So I've got that mindset now with, Hey, the market's slowing down a little bit. The houses aren't moving as fast as they were not getting as much as we could. That darn market it's shifting and you can blame it on whatever you want, but things just aren't moving. The inventory is moving up and you just don't have the power that you used to. Like you'd have called me three months ago. We could have done maybe something differently, but you know, we've had a couple rate increases. And I think that's a lot of leverage to start buying properties, right? And not be so frantic in how you buy them. Yeah, I was, well, was going to say you're leveraging, right? Mm-hmm. People's psychology of what's going on, because quite honestly, if you look, you don't have to look hard. Nine out of 10 articles you find out there right now are saying, oh, doom and gloom. At least that's the headline. When you read into right. them and they use real, you know, some real information, you realize, well, it's not really that doom and gloom, you know, mm-hmm. but they love the headlines. And oftentimes yep. people never read past the headlines. We all know that, right? Yep. And all you're doing is tapping into that, the psychology of fear, right? Yep. And then and unfortunately, people are driven by that more, more than they are from game, you know? They are. They are. And what, what's nice about it right now, which I like about it even more, this shifting market, is it's happening slowly, right? Mm-hmm. When that bubble pops and it crashes, it takes six months for the sellers or, or general population to get on board with what just happened, right? Like, we're in this on a day-to-day basis. We know what just happened. We know that there's not a chance your house is worth this, but they don't get it yet because it hasn't caught up to them. And the fact that this transition of, of shifting of a market is happening a little bit slowly is, is good. Just you know, it's like uh, you don't have to go through that giant learning curve or wait for the seller to come around and finally come to reality. Well, our beloved news is doing our job for us, really. Right. right? It's prepping them for the mindset, of, you know. And, and as investors, we, we do have to be smart about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have crystal balls. And, you know, everything I'm telling you right now, guess what? There could be a geopolitical event that happens 
in a week from now and change everything on its head, right? Yeah. There's certain things that are not predictable in our space. So we do have to be smart about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but having that much negativity out in the market, to your point, we can definitely use to our advantage a, a little leverage and get people kind of mm-hmm. moving now that when they might not typically move, they might think they could wait it out. This is a way to push them along. Mm-hmm. And it's not a total one-sided thing. I think that real estate investors should still keep all of this in mind and, and take everything into an account. Um, what, are you, what are you saying as far as kind of what people are doing, particularly with the real estate investors that you know and that you're connected with? How is this changing the way that they're operating or is it at all? So that's a good question. And, and it's a positioning thing. So generally speaking, mm-hmm. the, the idea is let's, let's create a strong cash position. So we do have some liquidity. Um, keep our eyes up, right? We may have had our eyes down for the last four or five years and just pulling our way through it. Let's look up. Let's see a little past the, what's immediately in front of us. And let's just be smart going forward. No reason to run. No reason to panic. No reason to respond out of fear. Mm-hmm. Let's keep an eye, a close look on what's what's coming our way, and have some cash on hand um, to get through what you know we call it the gap, right? Um, when things maybe one day, you know, because what will stall the market for a little while will be when the stock market crashes, and it will. It's inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. I, I find stock the guys, girls who are in the stock market, I find them to be the biggest. I was going to say a bad word. <laughs> They're the, the most sackless people I know. Okay, <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> the word was worse than that. Right? <laughs> um, on a freaking drop of bat, they run like cowards, and then mm-hmm. next day they hear news like something really changed. They come running right back. You know, mm-hmm. it's really singing the world. But that that that's in it. It's gonna happen because uh, it is that truly is a bubble. Where I don't mm-hmm. see our real estate in a bubble right now. The stock market, everybody knows it. You know, and and then there's your balance between greed and fear, and each one of those will will kick you in the nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the and so the smart investor takes those into consideration. They know when everybody's in fear, that's time to step up and play. There's opportunity, and that's when a market's kind of coming down, right? So there's mm-hmm. opportunity to be had there, and when everybody's greedy as hell, that's really the time to sell your shit because they're thinking it's going to keep going and going and going and going. Right? That's yes, mm-hmm. the stock market, real estate's not that much different. When we're playing the short term game, you know. Right. Um, it is all about the difference between the short term and the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Two totally different games. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, Patrick, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise. I haven't talked to you in a really long time. So bring me up to speed. What's the biggest win you've had in the last 12 months and what'd you learn from it? Oh, goodness. Um, it's been a busy past 12 months. We, <laughs> we, uh, we opened another gym. Mm-hmm. We're in the gym business too. We do lifestyle, fitness, and martial arts. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, it's, a, it's our one year anniversary right here in December, which is super cool. Um, that was big for us. A lot, a lot of growth in that space. Um, I do a lot of work in the personal development space. We launched a program in 2018. It's, a, it's geared towards guys, generally entrepreneurs, typically guys who just want more out of life, right? Um, and that's going just phenomenally well. And that, that, that's, that's my passion, right? That's, that's what I do. And that's what, that's what I love to do on a regular basis. And of course, our real estate keeps coming along. I'm looking, so we're looking in a space uh, that, that's a little different than our, our fiction flip on the, on the wealth building side of real estate. It's on the, um, the assisted living space, right? And I'm waiting for the slowdown coming up, right, to take advantage of some opportunity buys um, for that business, right? I mean, that, that business is a very lucrative side of real estate to begin with. Um, being able to get properties at a little, you know, 
a 10, 10% difference in, in the are now, which may happen if, if people fall in the fear side of things enough. Um, that's what we're keeping our eye on very, very closely right now. Pat, if, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? You know, just my website's the easiest one to go to. It's just my name, patrickprecourt.com. And uh, through there, it's very easy to, to, to track me down, get hold of me um, and see a little bit more about what we do. You know? Yeah, I'm interested in, uh, usually I ask that question for the benefit of the audience, but I was actually asking a little bit for myself because uh, I'm interested in the personal development aspect. I think that's the center of, of every entrepreneur's either success or not success, right? It mm-hmm. all starts with that. So big time. Been a pleasure. Let's do this again. Um, dude, whenever you want, man. Let's, okay. let's do it in the heat. When, when things get heated up, right? When we have some uh-huh. conversations, let's bring it, man. I think that'd be great. Uh, Super. All righty. So that's another episode of the Epic Real Estate Investing Show. Thank you to our guest, Mr. Pat Precourt. So if you'd like to do deals, stay right here. We're here five days a week. Actually, we're here six days a week now. We give it all away for free. Everything you need to know to do deals is right here on the show. If you'd like to go fast, go to reiace.com. Come. All righty. God bless to your success. I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. Hey, real quick before you go, the day after Pat and I recorded this episode, he had sent me an article. So this is a brand new article, right straight up to date. And I'll just read it uh, loosely for you. Uh, Stock markets around the world rose on Thursday, largely thanks to comments from the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve that hinted at slowing interest rate rises. Uh, What does this mean? The U.S. Central Bank has been raising interest rates for a while to make sure that strong economic growth doesn't get out of control. But it now looks like interest rates will hit neutral sooner than previously thought. That neutral rate is the one which keeps the economy ticking along nicely, holding inflation, the rate at which prices increase, steady without threatening to overly stymie growth. So why should I care? Well, for markets, um, markets are on the up. The chair's comments were music to the ear of markets. If interest rates are just below neutral, it's likely future rises beyond that widely tipped for December will be fewer and further between. That means U.S. companies and individuals won't face much higher interest payments on their borrowings and are instead more likely to invest in their businesses and buy stuff because leaving money in the bank won't pay as much interest either. Slowing rate rises are good news for economies around the world, too. Many countries, especially emerging markets, use U.S. interest rates as a benchmark, and companies there can also look forward to less costly debt and subsequently greater profit. Investors love more profit, and so they bought up companies' stocks on Thursday. Now, for you personally, back on the housing hunt. Data out on Wednesday showed an unexpected drop in U.S. new home sales in October. The rapid rise in interest rates this year might have been giving people cold feet about buying a new house. Demand was stoked by previous low interest rates, which made mortgages cheap. But if rates aren't rising as fast anymore, then people may soon start splashing the cash again, including on property. Interpret that how you wish. I see it all as good news. It's never a bad time to buy real estate as long as you're buying it right. Alrighty, I'll see you tomorrow. Take care.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.